Chapter Six of Perfect Behavior by Donald Ogden Stewart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Six, a chapter for schoolgirls. Every fall, a larger number of young girls leave home to come east to the various finishing schools in this section of the country. For the benefit of those who are making this trip for the first time. We outline a few of the more important points in connection with the preliminaries of the trip east, together with minute instructions as to the journey itself. Selecting a proper school. This is, of course, mainly a parent's problem and is best solved by resorting to the following formula: Let A and B represent two young girls' finishing schools in the east. Mrs. Raleigh Jones, X, from the west, sends her daughter to A. Mrs. Borax, Y, from the same city, sends her daughter to B. Upon consulting the local social register, it is found that Mr. Raleigh Jones is a member of the Union, Colonial, Town and Country, and Valley Hunt clubs. Upon consulting the telephone directory, it is found that the Boraxes live at 1217 South Main Street, and that Mr. Borax is an undertaker. Shall Mrs. F. B. Gerald, Z. Send her daughter Annette to A or to B, and why? Answer: A, because life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Correct equipment for the schoolgirl. Having selected an educational institution, the next requisite is a suitable equipment. Girls who live in other parts of the United States are often surprised to discover that the clothes which they have purchased at the best store in their home town are totally unsuited for the rough climate of the East. I would therefore recommend the following list, subject, of course, to variation in individual cases: one dress, sheen crepe de pink, for dancing; one dress, sheen crepe de pink, for petting. One dress Swiss dotted blue, or one dress Swiss undotted white. Fifteen yards tulle, best quality pink. Four bottles perfume domestic, or one bottle perfume French. Twelve dozen Dorine men's pocket size. Six soles cami assorted. One brazier or riding habit. One hundred boxes aspirin for dances and house parties. One wave permanent for conversation. Twenty-four waves temporary. Ten thousand nets hair. One hundred thousand pins hair. One bottle quelque fleur for knockout. En route. After the purchase of a complete outfit, it will be necessary to say goodbye to one's local friends. Partings are always somewhat sad, but it will be found that much simple pleasure may be derived from the last nights with the various boys to whom one is engaged. In this connection, however, it would be well to avoid making any rash statements regarding undying friendship and affection, because when you next see Eddie or Walter at Christmas time, you will have been three months in the East while they have been at the State University, and really, after one starts dancing with the Yale men, well, it's a funny world. In case you do not happen to meet any friends on the train, the surest way to protect yourself from any unwelcome advances is to buy a copy of the Atlantic Monthly and carry it in plain view. 
Next to a hair lip, this is the safest protection for a traveling young girl that I know of. It has, however, the one objection that all the old ladies on the train are likely to tell you what they think of Catherine Fullerton Gerald, or their rheumatism. If you are compelled to go to the dining car alone, you will probably sit beside an elk with white socks, who will call the waiter George. Along about the second course he will say to you, It's warm for September, isn't it? To which you should answer, No. That will dispose of the elk. Across the table from you will be a grand army man and his wife, going to visit their boy Elmer's wife's folks in Schenectady. When the fish is served, the grand army man will choke on a bone. Let him choke, but do not be too hopeful, as the chances are that he will dislodge the bone. All will go well until the dessert, when his wife will begin telling how raspberry sherbet always disagrees with her. Offer her your raspberry sherbet. After dinner you may wish to read for a while, but the porter will probably have made up all the berths for the night. It will also be found that the light in your berth does not work, so you will be awake for a long time. Finally, just as you are leaving Buffalo, you will at last get to sleep, and when you open your eyes again, you will be in Buffalo. There will be two more awakenings that night, once in Batavia, where a merry wedding party with horns and cowbells will follow the lucky bride and groom into your car, and once at Schenectady, where the Pullman car shock-absorbing tests are held. The next morning, tired but unhappy, you will reach New York. A Journey Around New York The Aquarium Take Fifth Avenue bus to Times Square Transfer to 42nd Street, cross town. Get off at 44th Street, and walk one block south to the Biltmore. The most interesting fish will be found underneath the hanging clock, near the telephone booths. Grant's Tomb Take Fifth Avenue bus and a light lunch. Change at Washington Square to a blue surge or dotted Swiss. Ride to the end of the line, and walk three blocks east. Then turn the same way you came followed by three fast sets of tennis, a light supper, and early to bed. If you do not feel better in the morning, cut out milk, fresh fruit, and uncooked foods for a while. Metropolitan Museum of Art Take subway to Brooklyn, Flatbush, then ask the subway guard where to go. He will tell you. The Bronx Take three oranges, a lemon, three of gin, to one of vermouth, with a dash of bitters. Serve cold. The Ritz. Take taxicab and fifty dollars. If you only have fifty dollars, the filet of sole margeret is very good. Brooklyn Bridge. Terrible. And their auction is worse. When you have visited all these places, it will probably be time to take the train to your school. The first days in the new school. The first week of school life is apt to be quite discouraging and we cannot too emphatically warn the young girl not to do anything rash under the influence of homesickness. It is in this initial period that many girls, feeling utterly alone and friendless, write those letters to boys back home which are later so difficult to pass off with a laugh. It is during this first attack of homesickness also that many girls, in their loneliness, recklessly accept the friendship of other strange girls, only to find out later that their new acquaintance's mother was a Miss Gundlefinger of Council Bluffs, and that she lives on the south side of Chicago. We advise, go slow at first. Becoming Acclimatized 
In your first day at school you will be shown your room. In your room you will find a sad-eyed fat girl. You will be told that this will be your roommate for the year. You will find that you have drawn a blank, that she comes from Topeka, Kansas, that her pa made his money in oil, and that she is religious. You will be nice to her for the first week, because you aren't taking any chances at the start. You will tolerate her for the rest of the year, because she will do your lessons for you every night. Across the hall from you there will be two older girls who are back for their second year. One of them will remind you of the angel painted on the ceiling of the Victory Theater back home, until she starts telling about her summer at Narragansett. From the other you will learn how to inhale. A Visitor from Princeton About the middle of the first term your cousin Charlie Waldron, that freshman at Princeton, will write and say that he would like to come up and see you. You go to Miss French and ask her if you can have your cousin visit you. She sniffs at the cousin and tells you that she must have a letter from Charlie's father, one from Charlie's minister, one from the governor of your state, and one from some disinterested party certifying that Charlie has never been in the penitentiary, has never committed arson, and is a legitimate child. After you have secured these letters, Miss French will tell you that Charlie will be allowed to see you next Saturday from four till five. Charlie will come and will be ushered into the reception room. While he is sitting there alone, the entire school will walk slowly, one by one, past the open door and look in at him. This will cause Charlie to perspire freely and to wish to God he had worn his dark suit. It is not at all likely that you will be allowed to go to New Haven during your first year, which is quite a pity, as this city, founded in 1638, is rich in historical interest. It was here, for example, in 1893 that Yale defeated Harvard at football, and the historic pigskin which was used that day is still preserved intact. Many other quaint relics are to be seen in and around the city of Elms, mementos of the past which bring to the younger generation a knowledge and respect for things gone. In the month of June, for example, there is really nothing which quite conjures up for the college youth of today a sense of the mutability and impermanence of this mortal life so much as the sight of a member of the class of 1875 after three days' intensive drinking. Ehu Fugachis Illustration Caption Who shall write first is a question that has perplexed many a lady or gentleman who is anxious to do the correct thing under any circumstances. A lady who has left town may send a brief note or a PPC, pour prendre congé, i.e., to take leave, card, to a gentleman who remains at home, if the gentleman is her husband and if she has left town with his business partner. Neither the note nor the card requires an acknowledgment, but many a husband takes pleasure in penning his congratulations to the lady, concluding with an expression of gratitude to his friend. End of chapter 6 of Perfect Behavior by Donald Ogden Stewart